Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. For some of you this morning, this may be one of your first times here, or maybe you haven't been here in a long time, or maybe you haven't been to church, or maybe you don't even like church. We're cool with that. Um, I want you to know this morning, this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for you to struggle with God. It's a safe place for you to struggle with yourself. It's a, it's a safe place to be happy and say, you know what, God, things are going pretty well for me right now. However, however you feel this morning, you're in a safe place. I think right now um, there's a lot of people at the end of pandemic and lockdown and all the junk we've been through for the last year and a half as a nation. I think there's a lot of people right now that are, that are lonely and you're looking to experience something different and you're looking to be yourself because for the past year and a half, we've put on a happy face through computer screens, through Zoom calls, through FaceTime calls. And I just want you to know that this is a safe place for you, that this church is a safe place for you to be you, however that is, whatever you look like, whatever past you come from, whatever color skin you have, whatever you're struggling with right now, whatever you struggled with before you got here today, this is a safe place for you, and that's what this church is all about. And that is always what this church will be about, because that is the heart of, the heart of God. How many of y'all remember Cliff Notes? Anybody? Some of you too well. Cliff Notes existed before Google. Somebody first service said they still existed. I don't, I don't know. Why, why would they, though? Now you just Google it, right? But for those of you that don't know, and you were born before the time, or you were weird and actually read, Cliff Notes were basically these summaries of books or stories that you had to read for school. Cliff Notes, uh, in very small letters at the end of my high school diploma and my college degree, it says, brought to you by Cliff Notes. And so what they would do is the night before the test or the night before the book report, you would go, I would go to Barnes & Noble and you would pick up the cliff notes. And they were short summaries of the book that you were actually supposed to read. And so, you know, sometimes I would even start reading the cliff notes and I would realize, like, I, I would, this kind of seems like an interesting story. I'd kind of like some more details. Now, I didn't think that enough to actually go read the book, but... And cliff notes are just kind of, just, just so you can kind of get the, the gist of the story, right? So that you can kind of understand the, the highlights to the story. I, I'm a bullet point guy. I like short stories. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they say, to make a long story short? I was about to say, and then for some people, they get to the end of that story and you're like, thank you, Jesus, you made the long story short because I don't want to hear the long story. Anybody? Whew. Listen, this is, I told you, we can be real here, okay? But what's the purpose of saying to make a long story short? It's, it's to progress the story, to get, to get the story over with, and you just kind of hit the highlights, you just kind of hit the, 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 the big points just so the person can understand the story. So your story may go like, and to make a long story short, I swerved and I missed them, right? Or to make a long story short, I'm getting the promotion. We like short 
stories. As a matter of fact, even if you think about Instagram and Facebook, they have these 15-second clips that are called Instagram stories. They're 15 seconds. They don't show much, but they kind of just give you a little glimpse at the story. Now, there's nothing wrong with shortening a story. Some of you need to work on that even more. There's nothing wrong with shortening a story. But I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times we want God to do that in our story. God, can you make this long story short? In other words, in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my desperation, in the midst of me needing the finances, what I want God to do is I'm like, God, can you just make a long story short? Like, can you just teach me whatever it is you want me to know right now? Can we just get to the point? Have you ever done that? Or or, or God, this, I really just need you to get to the point. Send the check right? Bring the check, bring the job. God, I really just need you to, you to get to the point. God, we, they need healing. I don't want to go through all this struggle. God, can you please just make the long story short? God, can you just, can you just do it? And then to make matters even worse, when you hear other people tell their stories, what version are they telling? They're telling the short one, right? They're telling just the highlights to their story. And so when they tell their story, they're making a long story short, and the check did come immediately, didn't it? When they're telling their version of the story, the person was healed really, really quickly. When they're telling their version of the story, God did teach them whatever that was without any or very little struggle. And so we hear other people telling their stories and what God is doing or has done in their life or how good their life has been or we see their Instagram highlights or we see their Facebook post and we wonder, why do I still have to struggle? Why do I still find myself laying awake at night? Have you ever noticed how much worse things are when you're laying awake at night? I hear their stories. Their highlights look great. But why am I still having these long nights up worried? Is my child ever going to return to the thing that I always tried to teach them? Why why do I have to lay awake at night wondering, will I ever find someone so that I don't feel lonely anymore? And everybody around you seems to have that person, but you're still up all night. I think we even try to summarize Bible stories. We make the long stories of the Bible short, even, even the popular ones. What about the story of Abraham? The story of Abraham, we say that Abraham was called by God to leave his hometown to go to a place that God would show him and God makes him a promise that his descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and he's the father of Israel, right? That's kind of how we summarize the story but we, we miss the fact that God had to call Abraham twice. Abraham slept with his servant because he didn't trust God. Abraham got in an argument with his brother so we make the story short and we miss the struggle in the middle. What about Moses? Pretty famous story. Moses is called by God to go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Y'all get the point. <laughs> to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And we think of Moses as like this, this great faith guy, which he is. And we think he got the Israelites freed from slavery and then he went to the promised land. That's how we shorten the story. But we miss the fact that Moses was a murderer, that he was unsure of who he was, 
that he had to go to Pharaoh nine times before Pharaoh actually let the Israelites go from slavery and that Moses himself didn't even enter in the promised land. Or we tell the story of David and Goliath, the ultimate underdog story, right? And we tell the story and David is delivering his brothers some pizza. He gets to the front line. He sees this giant. He says, how dare you speak against my God, giant? And he takes his sling and his stone and hits the giant between the eyes. But we, we miss the part where David was a shepherd. He was anointed king and then had to go and be a shepherd again where he committed infidelity, committed murder, actually struggled greatly with God, as we can read in a lot of the Psalms. He struggled with God. He, but we, we miss that because we try to shorten the story. If you want to go to the New Testament, what about Peter? We look at Peter and we summarize Peter's story as Peter was the, the disciple who walked on water, right? Peter was the one who preached at Pentecost in Acts 2 and thousands of people got saved. It was the greatest sermon in history. The baptism waters were overflowing. They kept having to sing music like we'll have to do next week because so many people are getting baptized next week. Y'all should clap for that. But anyway, and so we think, we, think of, we think of Peter as that guy, but we forget that Peter's the one who Jesus literally called Satan. Peter had a potty mouth. Let's just be real. He dropped some bombs on occasion with his mouth. Peter was not long after he started walking on water, he sank. Peter denies Jesus three times, struggled with God and who he was. What about Lazarus? We think of Lazarus as the guy who is raised from the dead. He's a family friend of Jesus, and Jesus comes, and he says, I now beseech thee. I'm just kidding. He said, Jesus says, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus starts walking out, raised from the dead, but we miss the fact that Lazarus' sisters literally told Jesus, hey, he is, he's been dead four days. He stank, right? And we, we miss that part. And and if you just hit the highlights of that story and you make that long story short, you'll miss the fact that Jesus wept at the sight of his friend dead. You'll miss the compassion of Jesus. Or what about Paul? We hear the story of Paul and we think of Paul as the greatest missionary in history, the guy who wrote the most books of anybody in the New Testament, but we miss his struggles. We miss him being stake bitten. If we summarize that story, we miss him being shipwrecked and flogged and beaten and starving and there's danger in shortening the story because if we're not careful, we'll think there's something wrong with us because we're struggling and our story's not short. Today, I want to talk for the next few moments from this subject, short stories and long nights. Short stories and long nights. And there's one story in particular that I want us to to focus on about some struggles that I think a lot of times we miss when we hear this story. And since the kids sang today, I thought it would be cool if I gave you the short version of this story in a kid's Bible, right? A great Bible for teaching little kids stories. But I think the thing that we're gonna see is that just hearing the highlights and the short version of a story make you often miss the struggle that happens within it. So let's read. It's Jonah and the big fish. Story time with Jonathan. <laughs> Jonah was a prophet of God. One day God told Jonah, go to the big city of Nineveh. Tell them to stop doing bad things. But Jonah ran away. He did not want to go to Nineveh. Instead, he got on a boat to sail across the sea. God sent a big storm to stop Jonah. 
The sailors on the boat were afraid. They thought the boat was going to sink. Y'all like how I'm reading this with expression, like I'm reading it to Riley? (laughs) Jonah told the sailors, my God has sent this storm. If you throw me into the water, the sea will become calm again. So the sailors threw Jonah into the raging sea, and instantly the sea became calm. Just then, Jonah saw a big fish coming. The fish swallowed Jonah. And y'all can't see this, but the smile on this fish's face right here, he is too excited about Jonah getting swallowed. (laughs) For three days and nights, Jonah was inside the fish, and he prayed to God, please forgive me. Then God told the fish to spit Jonah onto dry land. God told Jonah a second time, go and tell the people of Nineveh to stop doing bad things. And this is how it ends. This time, Jonah, Jonah obeyed God. The people in Nineveh were sorry for doing bad things. So God forgave them. Now, if that's the end of the story, then we think that story, Jonah just messed up, but man, it all, it all worked out. It's got a nice little bow on it. it. It all worked out. If we just hear the short story of the story of Jonah, then we're going we're gonna to miss the struggle and what happens in Jonah chapter 4. Let's start reading at the beginning of Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 says this change of plans greatly upset Jonah so in other words God forgiving them greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry so he complained to the Lord about it didn't I say before I left home that you would do this Lord that is why I ran away to Tarshish I knew that you were merciful and compassionate God slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love you are eager to turn back from destroying people Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if if what I predicted will not happen. Now, understand, in the Hebrew, that is some very strong language. Jonah is really struggling with God. He's practically cursing at God at this point. Verse 4 says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry with me about this? So the story doesn't end the way we think it does, does it? The story doesn't end in the short, compact, little children's Bible way. The struggle still happens. And if we miss Jonah chapter 4, if you miss the details in people's lives and only hear the short stories, you'll think there's something wrong with you if you miss their struggle. Because you're struggling. You've been struggling for a long time. But as long as you compare your long story with their highlights, you're going to feel terrible about yourself. You're going to feel like God has abandoned you, like he's left you because why can it be so easy for them? But it's so, it's so hard for me. And Jonah is struggling here with God. It's okay to struggle with God. Jonah is, is struggling with God because of how God forgave and blessed the people. And if you're honest today, some of you are struggling not with what God is doing to you, but with what he's giving to other people. And so you look around and you see their photos on Facebook. You see how they just went on vacation. You, you see how they just bought a new car and you have duct tape on yours just trying to get to work. But if you're not careful... You will become bitter at them and you'll become bitter at God if you compare your full story 
to their short stories and highlights. And then not only do you become bitter at God, but you become bitter at them. And then all of a sudden, anybody that looks like them and anybody acts like them, and then all of a sudden, they can't do anything right, not because of anything they did, but because of the comparisons that you've made in your heart. Jonah is mad at God because of how God is blessing the other people. Some of you are driving yourself crazy because you're looking at the successes of other people, but you're missing yours. Because here's the thing, I'm not dismissing your struggle today. I'm not dismissing your problems. I'm not dismissing the things that you were going through. But here's what I know. You're better than you used to be. That thing, it tried to take you out. It tried to kill you. Yes, you still struggle with that sin. Yes, you still leave it and you still go back to it. And then you leave it again. And then you go back to it again. But you're better than you used to be. Uh, Five years from now, you'd have never set foot in this place. You're better than you used to be. Don't let the success of other people. Don't let the success of other people blind you from seeing the success of yourself and what God's done in your life. He has been good to you. Because here's Jonah. He's fussing at God because God is forgiving these people. But yet, did y'all remember in the story when he sent the big fish to protect Jonah? God's been good to Jonah too. Jonah didn't deserve it. But Jonah seems to have forgotten that because of the success and because of God's grace on the other people. The worst thing you can do is try to compare what God is doing in your life with what he appears to be doing in somebody else's. And better yet, Their justice is not up to you. Some of you have been holding on to bitterness for so long because they have hurt you. It's real. You were abused. You were abandoned. You were called names. You were ridiculed. And you're still holding on to it because you think you have to hold on to it until something bad enough happens to them. You got to let it go. Their justice is not your responsibility. Because that, isn't that what Jonah's doing here? Jonah, Jonah's basically saying, God, until you get them, I'm going to be mad at you. Because yes, I ran, but look at what they've done. And the thing that Jonah's trying to defend here is that uh, they've, they've been mean to his own people. They're, they're, they're after his own people, the Israelites. And so that's why Jonah doesn't want to go. That's why he doesn't want, to, want them to be forgiven because it's a personal wound. Don't compare what God is doing in your life with what he's doing in someone else's short story. And their justice is not up to you. It's easy for us to look at other people's lives and think they're not struggling. But this is the good news. And some of you, this is the reason that God brought you in here is to to hear this. We're all struggling. 
Yes, when you accept Christ, you have the power to break every chain inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus out of the graves lives in us. But as long as we live in a fallen and broken world, you will struggle. And some of you have been struggling alone for so long, and you've gotten to the end of your rope, and you think you're the only one struggling because you're seeing everybody else's short stories. The person to your left and the person to the right, look at them and say, I'm struggling too. Look at them, do it. Say, I'm struggling too. Everybody, everybody struggles. Some of us hide it differently. Some of us deal with it differently. But I think it's important for you to know that everybody struggles. And so here's Jonah. He's mad. He's struggling with God because of how God's worked in other people. And he's basically telling God, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place. Because I knew that you would forgive these awful people. And I think Jonah's forgetting how faithful God has been to him. And I think hearing other people's short stories and seeing how quickly their life changes and how good their life is and viewing it through a a phone screen, I think it can make us forget about God's faithfulness to us. He's been faithful to you. Do you remember the time? where you didn't have two nickels to rub together, your bank account literally had 47 cents in it, but you're still here? Do do you remember the time when the people that you counted on left you on the side of the road, literally? But you're still here? But if we're not careful, though, we will let the struggle in the present cause us to forget the past faithfulness of God. And some of you, that's where you are right now. That's why you're mad at God. It's not because he's not doing anything. Sure, you're struggling now, but you have forgotten everything he's done. But he's been faithful. Jonah here, he's, he's forgotten. He's so mad at these people. He's forgotten that God sent a fish. That's pretty amazing, right? It's not what I would have asked for but it's pretty amazing. But isn't it all in how, how we sometimes define the faithfulness of God? Because the faithfulness to God looks like being swallowed by a fish when you're Jonah. The faithfulness to God looks different depending on who God's dealing with. The faithfulness of God to Jonah looked like being in a, the world's nastiest bathroom. Can't you imagine that's what the fish kind of felt like? Can y'all smell it? No, I'm just kidding. But the faithfulness to God, of God looks different in our lives. And if, if we're listening to other people tell their stories and we forget that they're struggling too, you'll miss God's faithfulness in your life because it doesn't look like it does in theirs. God was faithful to Jonah. And Jonah knew the character of God, didn't he? That's why Jonah's upset here. He's like, God, I knew that you were a compassionate. I knew you were a merciful God. And so that's why I didn't want to go. Jonah is literally mad at God because he knows he's too good. Because he knows the character of God. You know, knowing who God is doesn't mean you always like what he does. Because, I mean, most of us have a head knowledge, right? We at least know who God's supposed to be. Yeah, God, God's powerful. He's the creator. I know he loves me. But in this moment, I don't like what he's doing. 
the key in those moments of knowing the right answer when it comes to God, the, the key in those moments is that you have to trust the character of God even when you don't feel it. Because faith is not a feeling. And I'm sorry if anybody's led you to believe that. But in those long nights of your life, when things really get tough, you can't wait for a feeling to trust that God is with you. You have to know it. We can trust God's character even when we don't understand or agree with his action. You can always trust God. And if you wait for a feeling, the problem with waiting for a feeling and waiting for goosebumps and the problem with that is by that point, you'll be so distracted. You'll be so mad at God, you'll never get the feeling. You can trust the character of God even when you don't understand what he's doing. So after this little rant, Jonah sits down. Verse five says, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So now Jonah's kind of, he's kind of perched himself. And basically what he's doing is he's, he knows God's not gonna do what he wants, but he's just kind of pouting in the corner. And he wants to watch it anyway. You ever been there? Verse six says, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. So Jonah made a shelter and then God made a plant grow. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So Jonah runs, and then he makes this shelter, and he sits down to wait and see what God's going to do, even though he knows that what he wants God to do doesn't line up with the character of God, and so God's not going to do it. I'm really good at telling God my plans, aren't you? Like, I can, I, can, I, I, I can give God some really good plans. I can draw up some great plays. And then God's not a very good quarterback because he never runs my plays. <laughs> but like, I can, I can tell God. I can tell God what to do with this person, where to take this person. And I, and I, and I try to be really nice about it too. Y'all do that? Like, God, I don't, I don't want him to get hurt. Like, I, I don't want him to go to the hospital. Just get a get a cold for a few days, right? And so, but I can tell God, God, if you, if you move this person here, if you move this person here, God, I think you could do this. God, remember when you did this. And so God, if you could do that. And then I really, I even give God a timeline. How generous, generous am I? I'm really good at, at, at telling God my plans. And here's, here, here's the thing. Here's the tension where, where this comes in is I'm really good at telling God my plans, but God tells me to pray very specifically, right? So it's almost like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Okay, am I supposed to tell God my plans or am I supposed to pray specifically? You can write this down. There's nothing wrong with praying specifically unless you're gonna get bitter when God does it uniquely. Here's what I mean. When you're struggling and you're in that long night season of your life, you need to tell God what you want him to do. You need to pray from the depths of your heart. You need to pray what you think is best. Jesus literally says, make your request known to me, right? 
And then he says, anything you ask in my name, I will do. So what does it mean to ask something in the name of Jesus? It means, Jesus, here is what I would like. But I understand you're so much better than I am. And here's why that's important, because people fall away from God and they never talk to God and they fall out of church. And some people watching online right now, maybe you fell out of church and the reason you did it is because you felt like God never answered your prayers. It's okay to pray specifically as long as you're okay with God doing it uniquely because God loves you too much not to look out for your best. He loves you too much not to do what's best in the course of your life. He loves you too much to shorten the story when he can do so much more with a long story. I love my son too much to give him everything he wants. Yesterday, he wanted to go somewhere. He was going to go until he decided that it wasn't enough and he wanted more. So would I have been a good father? Would Melissa have been a good mother if in that moment we would have just given him everything he wanted? Would he ever be grateful? Would he ever be appreciative? No, because somebody has to teach him, right? Because it's better that he live life grateful and appreciative of what he has. God wants you to talk to him. He wants you to pray specifically. But don't, be offended, and God is too loving of a God not to answer you uniquely. Jonah throws a pity party under this tree. He sits down after he's told God his plans. He builds this shelter, and so he's retreated from life. He's kind of pulled, pulled away. He's self-preserving. Some of you, this is how you deal with struggle. You begin to self-preserve, don't you? Some of you are trapped in habits and addictions. You're self-medicating yourself, and it's because the struggle is real. And it's because you don't know where else to turn, and so you're self-preserving. Some of you have retreated because you've been in this struggle, whatever it is, for so long that you've gotten so angry at God that you're self-preserving, and you have retreated from every voice in your life that tries to speak truth. And so you're self-preserving by trying to drown out all of the voices, even the good ones and the ones that God has put there because you don't like what God's doing because your story is too long. So Jonah goes and he self-preserves under this tree. But here's some good news for Jonah because God is about to grow a plant over Jonah to shield him. Jonah builds the shelter. God sends the plant. And here's some good news for you. Even when you run, God still protects. Even when you run, even when you turn to self-preservation, even when you withdraw from everything that you know, even when you withdraw from all of the friends that lift you up, the ones that speak truth to you, even when you, get, when you fall back into the same addiction, even when you go back to the same relationships, even when you try to self-preserve, because that's what we do in the struggle, even when you go back to overeating, even when you go back to drinking, even when you do those things, God still protects you. And some of you this morning, you've been protected all of your life, but you've never realized it was God. 
He protects you. Just because you don't get what you want right away doesn't mean God's not there. Sometimes God's delays are the greatest sign of his protection. And some of you, your story is longer than you want it to be today, and you're still struggling. And it feels like God's delaying, but I wonder, is he protecting you? A lot of us have told the story before how you're about to leave your house and you close the garage door, you started up your car, and then you're thinking, did I unplug the straightener? <laughs> Not me personally. But you're thinking, did I unplug the straightener? So what do you have to do? You have to get out of your car, you have to go in. Of course, you unplug the straightener. And you get back in your car, and you, and you head up the road, and whatever road you travel on to go to work or wh- wherever you're going, and you see an accident that literally just happened. Have you ever done that? And there's something that triggers in your head of, God was, God was protecting me. I think God protects us with delays a lot more often than just with traffic situations. Some of you, you don't have a man right now. It's not a sign that God's abandoned you. It's a sign that God loves you. Because if you got him, whoever him is, five years from now, you wouldn't want him. And it feels like a delay now, right? You just want the struggle to end. It feels like a delay now. But could it be God's protection? God grows this little tree thing over Jonah, over his shelter, even while Jonah's mad at what God is doing in other people's lives. So God acts again in verse 7, says, but God also arranged for a worm. And y'all, y'all, I can't tell you how bad I want to, to preach on that because we're thankful for the leaf but we're often not thankful for the worm, but God grew the leaf and he sent the worm. But I'm not talking about that right now. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant to, uh, so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. Get him, God. The sun beat down. Sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? In other words, Jonah, you didn't make the plant. Is it angry? Is it it wrong for you to be angry that something that you didn't even have anything to do with went away? Yes, Jonah retorted. Retorted. What a great word. Even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. And here's here's the key. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? That's where the book of Jonah ends. That's the way it ends. No closing curtain, no Nice bow wrapped up, nothing. We don't get anything else. But one of the Bible heroes is left in this tussle with God. That's it. End of the story. 
close the book. It's one of two books in Scripture that end with a question that we never get the answer to. And I think that's on purpose. Matter of fact, I know it's on purpose. Because at the end of Jonah's struggle with God, when we thought it had a great conclusion, but he continues to struggle, at the end of all of that, this entire book ends with God telling Jonah in question form who he really is. God says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? In other words, I want to encourage you this morning that even though you struggle and even though you are up late at night and even though you hear their stories and their life seems so rosy and their life seems so great and even though you are staying awake wondering how am I going to pay this bill? Are they ever going to be healed? Am I ever going to feel normal again? Am I ever going to stop feeling alone? Even though you struggle, the thing God wants you to know at the end of your story is that He is still strong and good in the midst of your struggle. So struggle well. Struggle well. I don't know how it's going to turn out for you. And ask anybody that knows me, I have such a heart. I would love just to come and take your pain away and take your problem away and take your problem away and take your problem away. I would love to even own those for myself because I love you that much, but I can't. But here's what I can tell you today. God is protecting you. God still loves you. And the story won't be short. But it'll be good because he's in it. So what do you do? You keep struggling. You keep struggling. Don't expect the Cliff Notes version of your struggle. Because if you expect the Cliff Notes struggle and you don't get it, you're going to give up. Expect a long story. Be okay with some long nights. Sometimes it's going to feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. But don't. Look at me. Don't quit. struggle well draw near to God press into who God is believe him even when you don't feel him talk to him even when you don't know how trust him even when you don't want to with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning there's some of you your story does not involve Jesus. Yeah, you can look back and you can see the common, the common things that he does for everybody and how he's protected you. But at the end of the day, you struggle and you struggle alone. You've just never felt like, you've just never felt like you were good enough. This morning, I want you to know that you're not, but you're loved enough. 
and that Jesus came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and three days later rose from the dead to give you hope and to be with you through the long nights. So if you're in the room this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you want one, just say this prayer in your heart. It's a confession. There's nothing magical about it. You don't have to get it perfect. Don't worry if you stumble over some words. Just say, God, I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of trying to do it alone. I'm tired, to be, tired of trying to be enough. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I confess that I'm a sinner, that I've missed the mark. But I believe you're good enough to make up for it. Thank you that my life is no longer my own. I give it all to you, every part of it. And I'm going to do my best to follow you. I'm not sure what it means, but I'm going to find out. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you're, this morning, if you're in the middle of a struggle, and you're in the middle of some long nights, and you just need the comfort of God, and you need your faith renewed this morning, would you just raise your hand? Wow. If you're watching online, you count too. Can I pray for you? And before I pray, I'm not going to promise anything's going to happen immediately, okay? I don't want you to give up because the pastor prayed and nothing immediately happened because you're still going to struggle. God, I pray for every hand in the room. God, I pray for those watching online. Lord, life is, life is tough. The struggles are real. And God, just because we're struggling, sometimes we feel like we're doing something wrong or that you don't care enough about us. God, I pray that every person that just raised their hand and every person that didn't, Lord, that you would remind them of your true thoughts of them, that they would know they're loved and they're cared for and that they're protected and that they're blessed and that they're, they're empowered to live a life that honors you. And Lord, for the person that's had a lot of long nights, God, I pray peace over their life. I pray the amazing ability to cling to who you are even when they don't understand what you're doing. Lord, I pray that they would pray very specifically to you. And then, God, that they would realize you love them so much that you'll always answer uniquely. God, I pray for their situation. God, not that it would just end, but they would see your goodness as they struggle. Thank you for how you're renewing our faith. Thank you for how you're renewing our love and our trust in you. God, thank you so much for the amazing opportunity to teach your word and to talk to some amazing people that I love so much. Let them know you love them. In Jesus' name. Amen.